Hey, y'all. My name is Marisha Malcolm. Today, I have a special guest co-hosting with me, my dad, Reverend Michael Malcolm. Organizing can be a way to mobilize our communities to get involved, have their voices heard, and speak about all the injustices that they're facing. In many ways, we all have unified fighting for our rights, our well-being, and our planet. Communities all over the South and around the world are activating against their own specific struggles, and one of those is the Mountain Valley Pipeline in Appalachian. Today, we're here with Russell Chisholm with power to learn more about the fight happening in Virginia and West Virginia. Crime and justice, y'all. It's real. It's here. It's about time we listen to folks like Russell Chisholm. All right, let's get started with the show. Oh, yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. This is Climate Justice, y'all, a podcast dedicated to lifting up and centering the climate and environmental justice movement in the South. Despite the South being the most biodiverse, diverse, and one of the largest economic engines in the world, we are underfunded and often barred from the decision-making table. Because of that, we decided to pull up a chair and amplify the stories of communities in the South that are hit the hardest by the climate crisis. We're using good old-fashioned storytelling to shine a spotlight on these Southern leaders from all walks of life, putting in their blood, sweat, and tears to transform the region. The usage of y'all in the title is on purpose. We are honoring our Southern heritage of creativity, resilience, and ingenuity. Climate justice, y'all. It's real, it's here, and it's about time. Y'all hear what we have to say. Thank you, Mr. Russell, for joining us. I'm going to have you start us off with just introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and where you're coming from, who you represent. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, my name is Russell Chisholm. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. I am calling in today from Monacan and Tutelo, Stolen Land in Southwest Virginia, a little town where I've had the pleasure of living um, for over 20 years now in Newport, which is in Giles County, down here in Southwest Virginia. We're a directly impacted community along the Mountain Valley Pipeline project. Thank you for that, Mr. Russell. Um, and by the way, it's good to speak with you today. Um, today, we're, we're talking about community organizing, uh, speaking of the uh, Stop MVP Pipeline. How, how did you get involved in your work? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, it won't probably come as any surprise to you, Reverend. Um, the word started spreading mostly through the community here um, by way of telephone, uh, landlines, um, and neighbors talking to each other at public events and um, particularly in the churches here in Newport. Um, but all up and down the route, I think that was was pretty much the same. It was kind of neighbor to neighbor communication. Um, people started getting wind of this massive fracked gas pipeline project coming through the region. It sounded like a terrible idea, especially for folks who live here, who rely on groundwater, um, private wells and springs and um, water sources that, that we've all tried to be good stewards of um, here in the community. And the more we learned about it, um, you know, the more the community anxiety level grew until it, it grew to that point of organizing um, and taking action. So 
answered that call, you know, from the community and, and started attending meetings. And, and I think that was back in late 2014, early 2015, and we're still at it. So, Mr. Russell, we're saying like stop MVP and Mountain Valley Pipeline, but I'm sure we have some listeners who don't who may not know what that is. Can you just share an overview of what Mountain Valley Pipeline is um, and how it affects water and your community? Yeah, and thank you for that question. Folks still are learning about this project um, and uh you know, it has been in the spotlight lately, but there is a lot to understand about it. Um, MVP is a 303 mile, 42 inch diameter, high pressure methane delivery pipeline. Um, it originates in Mobley up in Wetzel County, West Virginia, and terminates in the southern part of Virginia down in the Chatham area in Pennsylvania County. It requires two massive excuse me, it requires three massive compressor stations to move that gas across these mountains and steep slopes to that end point down in Southern Virginia. Um, and there have been rumors all throughout that eventually they would require and potentially ask for another compressor station somewhere along the route. Um, the route that they've picked uh, goes through mostly rural areas, goes through a lot of low income communities, uh, directly impacts elderly residents, um, people who don't have a lot of money to kind of fight back um, through the eminent domain courts um, and really kind of exposes the uh, long history of, of citing massive fossil fuel projects as being placed on the backs of the most vulnerable people. So it's an environmental justice issue. It's a it's a climate issue because it's methane. And we're starting to understand more and more about the methane contributions to global heating through you know the escaped gases through burning of that fuel. Um, and creating, you know, more and more greenhouse gas emissions and, and just compounding the problem that we're all living with right now. You know, Russell, um, I came to um, over to West Virginia with arm and arm. Um, uh, used, to, used to be uh, uh, the U.S. Climate Action Network and uh we came and we, we did an action with you all uh, around Stop Mountain Valley Pipeline. And one of the things that I continued to hear from community members um, was that there was this uh, huge lack of resources. Uh, what was surprising, in all honesty, uh, was that these were uh, poor rural white folk. Uh, who, were, who were having the same complaints of abandonment that happens in our communities as well. And, and so um, let me ask you, because you all are not just doing just Mountain Valley Pipeline, but this is an, a larger, larger issue uh, of pipelines, period, and, and the expansion of uh, fossil fuel uh, via pipeline. So how do you all organize around the Mountain Valley Pipeline and and more broadly, how do you all organize around just stopping fossil fuel expansion? And, and given the limited resources as well, how are you all going about communicating with your local communities and, and getting them involved? Yeah, um, you know, also, uh, 
in over these last several years, all of us, all of our communities have been contending with uh, with the ongoing pandemic too, right? So that's that's made it more difficult to organize in person. Um, and you know, as we talked about, it's a it's a long linear project. So over 300 miles, it, it can be really hard to gather together um, in large groups and uh, you know, kind of give people action items and tools to take home with them to, to go back and organize in their communities. So most of it has been held together, you know, through email and through phone calls, regular conference calls that we have um, where, you know, new folks who are just learning about the project, whether they work for an organization or they're just grassroots organizing in their community are invited to join. Um, and lately we've been trying to do more outreach and, and sort of community up building and uplifting events just because it's so hard to sustain a, a long campaign that sometimes you just need to gather and share a meal and share some songs and prayers and whatever it is that moves people to come out and meet some of those folks that you know have been holding it down all that time. So I think that's a, a key part of, of what you're describing there. And that's true across frontline communities that you know, it's out of sight, out of mind for so many people, right? So people kind of feel forgotten about, they feel like their needs and concerns are, are not a top priority for decision makers, certainly not for these regulatory agencies, you know, who approve project after project after project in, in our most vulnerable communities. Um, and so just sometimes just helping people feel seen, um, feel in community um, and, you know, really sort of rally around each other is, is absolutely one of those things that keeps sustaining us. And, and to the question of resources, I think, you know, local knowledge, and you all know this, local knowledge of what people are contending with, whether it's health issues from being downwind from, from a polluting project, or whether it is that knowledge about the, the groundwater and, and those community resources that we're all trying to protect is, is so essential to this because you won't find those in most of the environmental impact statements and, and those kinds of things. You won't really find those local stories and knowledge. I was just putting in, um, in the chat. I'm like, that is so beautiful. Just, I, I love when we and us as leaders or as as movement people, honestly, just EJ movement people in general, that when we gather together and we just share culture and we just share the environment and and just, I don't know, love on it, honestly, and love on each other that I, I always love and um yeah, love and commend when when we do that. It's important and definitely a necessity. Um, so I wanted to move. Uh, I I am enjoying this conversation of of how we are keeping the community involved. Let's say that uh, these communities don't know about these issues and and are seeking a way to um, you know bring it and bring up these bring up these issues into their communities and are wanting to get involved into um, environmental justice and, you know, bringing awareness to these issues. What what are ways that they can do that? How are y'all, how are y'all spreading that through, you know, getting people involved? I'm sorry, that was a lot. So I will repeat it if you need me to. No, thank you. I, I think I understand. Um... 
you know, for, for our organization, um, you know, Protect Our Water Heritage Rights uh, Coalition, you know, I, I think, first of all, I think it starts with us. So we, yes, we've had this very strong focus on stopping this one project, but we also, you know, have learned over the years how these effects cascade downstream and affect all of us, right? So some of it starts with us showing up in that way for other communities too. So that's how you build relationships. If all of the gas um, being shipped on MVP ultimately ends up downstream somewhere or backfills um, that system so that more gas is shipped downstream somewhere to a community that is already overburdened with LNG processing or petrochemical processing or whatever issue it is that that community is contending with. I personally believe, and I know a lot of folks in our coalition, you know, believe this or have learned this over the years that you also have to show up in real ways for the things that are um, harming those communities. So that means reaching across coalitions. Um, you know, it, it could mean uh, just attending an event and speaking on what's happening to MVP and where those intersections are so that we can see each other um, and build those relationships um, because it really does take all of us. I know that's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but it really does take all of us. And there are more of us than the media or the politicians or the powerful um, would have folks believe and more in common, certainly, as we've talked about. So I don't know if that got to the root of your question, but you know, I think that is, uh, it's not just kind of like an entry point in terms of how do we enlist more help, but also it is, um, you know, handing off uh, capacity or handing off support wherever we can and lifting up other movements too is a big piece. Yeah, I would say you answered the question perfectly. Thank you. The growth, growth is, is often uh, decentralized and uh, it, it is also um, impactful. Uh, and, and so, well, not, not, not impactful. That's not the word I'm looking for. It, it's, but it's decentralized and it's, and it, it, not only does it, it, does it expand out, but growth uh, also uh, touches inward, if you will. So it's an internal change as well as an outward reach. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, let me ask you, uh, what advice do you have for any of our listeners that may want to organize with their communities around any issue? Um, in particular, though, uh, your issue or the issue of fossil fuel expansion. Uh, but yet, and still, they don't really know where to start. What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, is that not the challenge, um, right, with any issue in any community, um, especially since y'all know who are most moved to, to take up these things, working people, people with families, people with young children, people who are already dealing with a lot, right? And so um, I think what I have heard most consistently over the last several years is that people were more or less just waiting for someone to ask. They were concerned about an issue. Um, they were, you know, 
maybe felt moved to try to do more, but didn't know where to start. So even conversations like this one that we're having right here is a good starting point because once people, you know, get a, a little bit better understanding of, of what the big issues are, where they can plug in, whether it's attending a hearing or participating in, in public comment and, and some of those kinds of activities, then they get a little bit more confident, they get a little bit more understanding of, of what's needed next. Um, and I think that, you know, from that builds up a, a, a community however small of two or three people sometimes is enough um, to, to say, well, you know, why don't we call a meeting? Why don't we start phone banking to our neighbors to say, hey, there's this hearing coming up. They want to put a massive incinerator project, at, you know, next to so-and-so's farm or or down the road from a, from an elementary school or something like that. Let's start, start calling parents in the area and see if they're concerned about this. Oftentimes it's just that initial ask. And it isn't always the people who get involved and stay involved that are doing the asking. They're, they're waiting, you know, sort of for that invitation and maybe a little bit nervous about where to begin. So, and, and again, we've, this has kind of come up throughout our conversation today, but if you can bring food to your event, <laughs> if you can make it, you know, a community gathering, community picnic in that um, real sense, you know, that to me seems to keep things going and, and keep people uh, fed and healthy and strong for whatever's coming next. All right, Mr. Russell, we're making it towards the end of this episode. But before we let you go, I want to ask you one more question. One last question that we ask all of our, our guests. So we know that this work is draining. We're also in it. So we know just how overwhelmed and how just to the max, to the capacity that we can that we can get to. Um, so so tell us what gives you hope what brings you hope throughout this journey throughout your journey uh wow thank you for that question and sometimes i feel like it changes from day to day but overall i i really do believe that as long and as exhausting as this struggle has been the community you know, building this resistance has only gotten stronger. And ultimately that is a gift um, that, you know, however this particular struggle ends, there will always be the next one. Um, and and that, is a, that is a gift that will, I think, sustain us as we try to solve problems beyond just environmental justice issues or climate justice issues, because you know, especially on climate, it, it, it can feel, terrifying. Um, it can feel demoralizing to see what's happening and to see very little actually coming from the most powerful decision makers in the way of solutions. But regular people know those solutions exist, whether they are spending time on building up mutual aid efforts, or they are spending time installing a community garden or something along those lines. Those are real tangible things that we take with us from every fight that, that aren't gonna go away. And that no um, you know, powerful entity is ever gonna be able to crush. That, that, that's the kind of thread that weaves through our movements that, that gives me hope um, and, and really ultimately keeps me going every day. That the people in this movement are 
beautiful. Sometimes we argue, sometimes we disagree, um, but the goal is the same. Um, and that sense of community is very real and very strong.